Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Oh, my goodness. Welcome to the good news. So excited, Producer Moose, because Regina Brett is coming up. Do you know who she is? Well, I saw the book come across my desk, and I thought, reading the back cover, I'm like, you know, th- this is one we got to have on the show. Yeah, so God I'm, is always hiring. Right. And I'm like, well, all right, God, let's uh, look at my resume and see where you got for me, huh? Well, she says, because uh, I've spoken with her before, and I, I wanted to have her for this show because I think she's so outstanding. She says that every job can be magical, and I love that idea. Yeah, I mean, you just got to find your place and however it fits you, whether it's not your giftings or not, you got to find how it works for you. I was a janitor at a preschool, and I made it... Is it magical? I made it magical I'll eventually. bet it could be with the kids, huh? Well, it got to be that point where I realized that there was a lot of single moms that were just worn down, and so I realized that a smile and a kind word and a carried bag went miles. Oh, I'll bet. And I always had my music on, and so I was dancing, and they called me the Dancing Moose. Oh. And I always cleaned the toilets oh, first. Oh, you're a great example. <laughs> I would clean the toilets first thing in the day. That way my day could go nowhere but up. Yes. And so. The dancing moose. I like that. Uh, you know, and, uh, and, you know, Mr. Clark, Charles Clark's one of our favorite guests. Mm-hmm. That, uh, janitor. He works in a high school, and he's received all kinds of awards and been on CBS Nightly News. That's where we found him right. for mentoring kids. And he says he has the best job in the world 26 years as a janitor. Cleanest toilets you ever find in the country, he says. Yeah, he said, <laughs> yep. Cleanest toilets you ever find. He said, because my, I said, why, why do you say take such pride in your work? My dad said if a job's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Right. Exactly. Love that. And he says he's been that it's a, he says it's like a ministry that God planted him there to help these young men at this school that don't that don't have fathers and they're getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, got to do everything right and you can't cut corners. And one of the biggest uh, lessons I learned is if you keep cutting corners, eventually you'll find yourself doing a circle and you have to go back and do it again. Do it again. Yeah. And I love what he also said about um, if you love them, they'll buy whatever you're selling. And if yep. you're selling a college education and getting on the right track in life and yeah, staying away from drugs and the bad crowd, they'll buy what you're selling. Straighten up and fly right. If you yeah. show them that it's a good way to live, then they'll buy into it. I love agree. that. So Regina Brett, uh, every job can be magical and that you can, you know, a lot of people think that they have to be in the ministry, but you can minister to people wherever you're planted. And we're, luckily, we're, we really are in ministry here. We're in Christian radio, but there have been many a time in the makeup room where I'd have, you know, people come that never professed to have any faith come to me when they had a problem when I was in the makeup room when I worked in the TV news biz and it wasn't something you could take into the newsroom but they definitely found me in there. Right and I'd had jobs where I haven't um, been in like you know a Christian format or a place like that and be in the secular world like working at a certain coffee shop. A coffee establishment <laughs> that it has to do with a star but we're not going to get specific. And people would just say Moose there's something different about you and like just you know Aww. 30 seconds of ministry through through the window at 4.30 in the morning is all about, you know, just greeting with a smile. Hey, there's something special about you. It's because I care for you as a person. And That's I've... so cool. Don't make me cry about Starbucks. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, you said Oh, it. she's oh, here. Michelle's she's here. Hey. Oh. Did you bring us Starbucks, Michelle? Oh, we're, yes. we're clapping because <laughs> Michelle Ron is here, and we're on the air, Michelle. You can't just chit-chat. I we're on the air. Okay. Oh, Starbucks. Oh, I wish I were. Oh, but I wish you brought me Starbucks, We're too. talking about Regina Brett, our next guest, that uh, says uh, God is always hiring, and every <laughs> oh. job can be magical. 
uh-huh. every job. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? Well, that's what we make it. Well, and the speaking, choices we make. And speaking of every job can be wonderful. I'm, I've got two jobs here where you would not think that these particular jobs would be a job where they could be such a blessing. The first is a ma- mail carrier, and she's been uh, you know delivering the mail for years. And she just noticed that mail was piling up. And what's interesting is the man she saves ends up telling another person at the post office, I knew she'd come. He wow. knew eventually that she would save him. She, he knew that she, just like you, Moose, at the window, mm-hmm. handing out the coffee at that particular establishment, they shall not be named Starbucks, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, uh, that, she 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 delivers the smile with the mail, and that right. he knew she cared. So this we call uh, this is a mail carrier who ends up saving the life of an elderly man, and this guy was really injured. Wow. Sissy Cartwright has been delivering mail in the Hope Hall community for 20 years. When you've been out here for as long as most of us have, you just kind of learn your customers. So last week, when she noticed that one of the residents on her route hadn't checked his mail in days, she knew something wasn't right. He normally got his mail a little more often than that, so that's when I decided I needed to go check on him. The house sits way back off the road in a secluded rural area. Sissy's kind gesture ended up being a life-saving move. She found the front door open and 66-year-old Tommy Hope injured and calling for help. Just glad I found him when I did. She called 911 and that's when she learned that Hope had been down for 10 days. Following a bad fall that left him with broken bones, he was unable to get to his phone. As the days passed, he kept hydrated by drinking from a bucket of rainwater and used a stick to get ice cubes from the ice maker. I mean, he had to be a strong man to have done some of the things that he did do to survive. It was just amazing to me. When he was being put on the stretcher that day, he looked right up at me and he said, Sherry, he said, I knew she would come. He said, she just saved my life. And I knew then that, that she definitely has earned her title as a, as a hero. Mail carriers like Sissy Cartwright always keep an eye out for elderly customers and those who live alone. And this time, it made all the difference. Yeah, he calls me his hero. And if that's what he wants to say, I'm good with it. But now I don't feel like a hero. I just was... At the right place at the right time, I think. But it's that extra ounce of caring you were talking about, Moose. Right. And I was was joking with uh, Ashley, our new Good News intern. She was at the right place at the right time, and she would have found him 10 days prior. But I'm just saying. Right, (laughs) right, right. I mean, you know, good thing that she did check on him, realizing that the the mail built up and his pattern was off. And I guess, you know, if you went away on vacation or whatever, he would let them know because they're such good friends or neighbors would always get it. But to see the pattern build up of all that mail. And she, her, you know, spidey sense was tingling, knowing something was up. It was really good of her to yeah. check on her. And to me, this gives a sense of community. And oh, I love it. Yeah, because even the lady that put him on the stretcher, right? He, she knew he knew her too, right? I, I knew the mail lady would, you know, that yeah. she would find me. But you know, I'm thinking of our situation where I live. I I hate those darn boxes. I mean, I don't have a mailbox oh, at my house. Boxes. I have a box yeah. a block blocked down, and I d- I do know Harvey. I have we've made a point to meet Harvey, our mailman. But otherwise, you know, he doesn't know if we're home or not home or anything. So I really treasure this man and living in a community where. He has a little male person that takes care, that knows who he is. Well, and I um, moved to a, a house, a neighborhood not quite as new as my last one, and I have a mailbox. I really like it. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I'm always, I'm always nice to the male lady too. Like the dog always knows when the mailman's coming, so really? then he gets my daughter excited uh, and she says hi through the. 
yeah. the door all the time. Oh, well, that kind of reminds me. A couple of weeks ago, you did that story about the little boy with the tra- his best friend was the trash collector. Yes. Remember, and he yes. would run out and wave and brought cookies to the trash collector. Yeah. And you know, gosh, talk about there's your sense of pride in your job. And, and they love to be thanked and appreciated oh. and be. Like acknowledged. Acknowledged is the yeah. word. And you've yeah. gotten on the right side of your trash oh, man. Oh, I wasn't going to bring it up, but he loves us. <laughs> oh, when he smiles, he has the sparkly gold tooth my son loves. He goes, oh. he has the best <laughs> smile. He has a golden smile. Okay. And he takes our trash cans right up to the garage door. No oh, one else my. gets that treatment in the uh. neighborhood. If they only knew that it's a cash, we'll do it for you. <laughs> you know, and uh, muffins. We give him muffins. And if the kids are homesick on a Monday, they always give him something. Well, how yeah. great. They're cold is that what he gives them? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Some muffins cold. and they're cold. cold yeah. The flu, whatever they have, they'll give to him. Yeah. Aww. All right, Michelle, I saved some of these stories specifically for you that Moose Thank and you. I pick out Michelle stories. And you're always talking about, you know, after you retired that you still know, you're like my best guess in terms of prep that you'll actually come up with. <laughs> she types it all up, Moose, and she sends it to me with all the bullet points and the intro and everything. Ten-step plan, yeah. Yes, the ten-step plan. <laughs> and so, um, so she says you have to have a reason to put your feet on the ground every day. And this Walmart oldest employee and again a job where he has been working for 30 years he started working there five days a week in his 70s so when most people are retiring he took a little extra job worked full-time he's there at 103 and wait till you hear how with it he is after more than 32 years working at the Winfield Kansas Walmart Wade has no plans to retire I like to meet people uh, being here. I get to talk to a lot of lot of people. I like being occupied. I can usually keep pretty busy at, at one thing or another. They see to it that I do. He's still working five days a week, and the customers know he's a fixture here. I think the man's here 24/7. He just he just belongs here. And see, and I preach about participating and making relationships and a task with a purpose. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and preaches about a task with a purpose. Well, you, because, you know, when you retire, so many times it's just it. I mean, you think, okay, what's left? Nothing's left. because you retire and, doesn't mean you're dead. Oh, my gosh, no. And I don't. I don't want to retire. I want to refire, refire. Ah, you know, that's it. Go, but, but good for him. And he's Walmart has tapped in on those people, and they're you know very smart to do that because they do greet you. And I have to say, the work ethic sometimes is just wonderful. And Moose knows that. You know, I, I scored with him when he was in his twenties when he first started working with us. But I kind of knew his <laughs> background from other um, people in the industry. But then when I was looking for someone, another producer that works with me on Daybreak USA, which is on uh, our eight ten K. LVZ station in the morning. Um, I I went for someone older, and oh, if Steve's listening, he'd kill me. But you know, he's closer <laughs> to he's closer to sixty, which again, he'd kill me. Uh, but I didn't care that he didn't know how to use social media because that was the big thing. He was going for jobs, and they wanted him to be able to use like you know Twitter, which mm. I had to teach him how to use. And but me, you know, I'm, not, I'm the expert. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and Facebook, you know, and um, uh, Google Calendar. Remember, we had to show him how to oh, use Google yep, Calendar, yep. Mm. and it took a long time. And I thought, did I make a mistake? Mm-hmm. And you know what? He said. If you take the time to teach me, mm-hmm. I will learn it. I promise mm-hmm. you I'll learn it. And he's so dependable. I, I Nothing ever falls through the cracks. I mean, it's so. And when my husband complains about his his 
his employees, I feel horrible. Mm. And he's like, well, because you got Moose and Steve and Jorge. You know, because I I said, well, I don't have those problems. But you know why we're all working here? It's not because we make a lot of money. Because we love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's our main purpose. Jesus has us where we're supposed to be. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so we all feel blessed that we have this opportunity to talk about, you know, topics of faith on the radio. Mm -hmm. And so we're not there. Our purpose is different. And Mm -hmm. I told my husband that. Well, we have a different reason for being here. It's Mm -hmm. not just the money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and you were talking the big bucks the big bucks yes exactly you're talking about steve yes, yes. well i i need to share with how okay. wonderful steve is because okay. yeah i didn't know twitter and google and all of those things but i i muddled through on those but when i came to be with you i needed to do skype steve, i couldn't figure that little hummer out for love nor money Tell i could steve not did. this is steve, this is why we hired steve Listen yes to this. he first of all he emailed me and he was trying very hard to give me the directions and I am just awful and he said you know what I'll just come over and let's find a time he, he came, came over, over to, to my house, house and he set worked up with my computer and said and, and wow. I would never be on Skype if Steve had not come over I guarantee you oh, how wow. many people do that exactly no, no that's pretty cool and, you it's know, very cool one of the things you know we work with another guy named Trevino and I'm mm-hmm. Moose and there's Jorge and then there's Steve he <laughs> says he, he wants a cool radio name so he's trying yes. to come up with Steve. one the one that he's kind of settled on the I'm probably the only one who calls him he's cement head he's so, what oh cement, <laughs> cement head. head oh what does that mean I don't know. I call him Steve Arino yeah Steve there yeah, there yeah, we yeah, go no. yes don't call him a senior though oh uh, is- <laughs> he signs all of his emails now uh, uh CM Oh. When he, when he now, me. senior just means we're experienced. So I, I like the uh, we're experienced. I agree. There no, we go. I, I, so that's why I hired Steve. Good. He has, he has well, a good a great work reason. ethic, and I just you know really was impressed. And some exactly. of the resumes I got from younger people, I was kind of surprised. They're just like, like Pizza Hut. I'm like, well, when? When did you sure. work there? You can't just put Pizza Hut. What'd you Hut. do at Pizza Hut? Yeah, yeah or like right. what location? Was there a manager? Right. Are there dates? You know, I did I did pizza stuff. Yeah. <laughs> stuff the pizza <laughs> daily. Like uh, you know, a resume, like just a basic resume, uh-huh. like you know, template. Sure. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. So. That or was... shake hands. Yeah. You know, a basic handshake you need to teach too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. I, I've got one more good news story okay. we can share. Um, this is again. Do I have enough time for this? How much time do I have? Oh, perfect. Okay. Um, this is called Turtle Man, and you're probably like, "What is she sharing Turtle Man with before?" My friend Boyd Hooper. I've become radio friends with him. He works at Care in Minneapolis, and he was in the news business, TV news business, still is for 20 years and he went to his bosses just like I did and he said I want to do good news I want to do positive stories and his stories have gone viral so the NBC Nightly News picked this up within the last week and um, it's about a retiree who decided he wasn't he's going to refire like you not retire and he has in his backyard a lake and he is obsessed with science and turtles and teaching and oh, biology and so the kids love Turtle Man nobody even knows his name in the neighborhood I don't mm-hmm. think I, I don't this is Turtle is his first name Man is last name and so um, um, I just think it's a neat story about how you can become, again, every place you're planted can be a ministry, every job can be a blessing, and he's turned, he's a tour guide for tur- mm-hmm. turtles. Take a listen. I saw this. As big as you want. The retiree in the house on Gantry Lane is clearly not the type to yell. Mine's colorful. Get off my lawn. I'm making a smiley turtle. But despite appearances, the draw is not the front yard. This is where the turtle man lives. But the back. So are you ready to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He asked the kids if they liked turtles, and we were like, 
Oh, yeah, what kid doesn't like turtles? There's a turtle ready to come and eat. For the longest time, we didn't know what his real name was. But one glimpse of an army of tiny heads trooping toward him from across Scout Lake. And Ken Wilson. Hi, baby turtle. Earned <laughs> his nickname. We just called him the Turtle Man. Do you want to go around and see where they sit in the sun? Now, for the third summer, okay. Ken is piloting his turtle love boat. <laughs> that was like, I'm the king of the cereal. <laughs> and I love the fact that there's generation with generation here. I mean, it's Oh, just, you always talk about oh that. Oh, my gosh. It's like my Mr. Rubenstein for on the porch next door when I was young. I mean, it, it's so important. And so many of so many of the younger generation don't see we experience people yes. and how wonderful Turtle Man is teaching them not only about turtles, but about how the love of a an older person. And he has a purpose, a task with a task purpose. Task with a purpose. Okay, here's part two, task with a purpose. Gantry own floating summer science class. Do they have teeth? No. They what, just have what, a big what jaw. Do they, they have a big jaw and they got like a bony plate. He's got a connection with them. It's, there's no way around it. Could be referring to the turtles. We have a pink turtle here. They're a neat little species. Definitely. Oh. Talking about the kids. We have painted turtles. You know why they're painted? Because on the belly, it's rainbow style. Yeah. This is Julian. Are they eating your hand? Two daughters of his own, now grown. They don't have any teeth. And two years past his sales career retirement. Look straight at it. Oh. Ken Wilson is finding there's still plenty to give. Girls, girls, girls. On my gravestone, it's going to say Turtle Man. A testament to the wonder of nature and the beauty of sharing it. Come here, little one. I don't know who's happier, him or the kids. No, I love that they just equal. call him Turtle Man, don't know his yeah. real name. Yep. I get that all the time. Like People say, I don't even know your real name. Mm -hmm. When I got married, the pastor almost pronounced as Mr. and Mrs. Moose. Uh, ah. Yeah, the pause name. Your mother would kill me if I said, ah. <laughs> what's your first name again? Oh, for You know, in Jefferson County, the sixth graders all go to Outdoor Lab, and yeah. we always had Mountain Man. And Mountain Man would come and talk to the kids, and I couldn't tell you his name, but I can Hilarious. tell you he's Mountain Man. Yeah. And we know, it, when, but the way they're, when they're feeding the, all those turtles, are they feeding them cheese sticks? I couldn't tell. I don't know what it was. It looked like cheese sticks. But anyway, the cur turtles just crowd up to the boat, and like uh, 20 of them, they're feeding them. It's crazy. Wow. The Ninja yeah. Turtles love pizza, so maybe it was cheese Yeah, <laughs> it might have been cheese sticks. <laughs> Michelle A. Ron, you're a speaker as well, uh, and also uh, Miss Senior America. <laughs> and you, people love to have you come and speak at their I events. Would. Your website. Thank you. I make a great choice today, everybody. You've got the choice. MichelleAron.com. You bet. We'll be right back with, oh, God's always hiring, Regina Brett. This is the place where love lives. 810 KLVZ. Hey, it's Angie. Do you have things you want to give away, but you know, you're like, oh, it's too nice. I don't just want to give it away. Or it's too much of a hassle to bring it down to donate it. Well, guess what? I'm very good friends with the ARC organization. My friend Francis Owens is here and you'll come pick up our stuff for free. We will. I won't personally, <laughs> although I guess I could. Yes. I actually do some of that, but we would love anything you'd like to donate. Nice items, even if they're not quite so nice. Things sell. It's amazing. It's like you're always on a hunt. Please call 303 230 
338-JANE, which is 303-238-5263. We'd love to come pick up anything you'd like to donate. Well, I have to tell you, we donate a lot because my husband refuses to let things hang around the house. And he used to just <laughs> aim for the trash. And now he knows no. we have an ARC box. Yep. And you know we've even brought a trailer load down. And that's before I knew that you would come pick up things for free. And if you want more information about shopping with a purpose, they have great items at ARC. All of the money stays locally to help the disabled community. Go to arcthrift.org. Do you ever feel like you're just searching for a church and you just can't find the right one? Well, I must have looked for about 10 years. I have to tell you, I've never been so excited to go to church. I feel that Pastor John Moreland, my pastor, that's you, John, um, has a real gift for teaching. And there's so much love in that church. And I've never felt more welcome. And I have to tell you, Pastor Moreland, I just, I, I love going to church now. I learn something every week, and, I, and I, I just feel so blessed by you. It makes me cry. Well, I'm humbled to hear you say that. Denver Christian Bible Church is about two things. One, we want to make genuine connections with people, and two, we want to genuinely connect those people to Jesus. Thursday night, we connect. You can go to dinner. You get to know people. And then on Sundays, I just feel like it's a time of getting together and learning, and I feel I'm always hugged. I've never been hugged so many times in my life by people who are really happy to see me there. And so I feel like I'm growing, but I also feel like I have a support system at Denver Christian Bible Church. So if people would like to come, how do they reach you, Pastor Moreland? Please go to our website. You can download our sermons for free and find out where we are, denverbible.org. Hi, I'm Angie Austin with the good news. I'm Angel Tessie with Experience Pros. All right, so we're radio hosts who want to make your life better. We have an excellent event coming up. If you're feeling low, you're feeling blue, you've had a difficult past, you're depressed, whatever it may be, we have an event coming up called Real Women, Real Issues, Real Solutions. And Angel, you are going to talk about your family life. Absolutely. A tough time that my husband and I went through several years ago, how we managed to get through that and actually come out as a healthier husband and wife couple. And I am so excited to share this story for the first time at Real Women. And I'm really excited to talk about overcoming the past. And I've lost family members to drug addiction, murder, etc. And I want people to know how they can become a victor in life and not a victim uh, to forgive and get over the past and the steps that you can take in your own life to achieve your goals and get the life that you really want. The Lord wants that for us. So we'd love for you to come. It's October 3rd. It's in Highlands Ranch at the Jubilee Church. Are you excited, Angel? I am so excited. Ladies last year said it was life-changing. So please come join us. Angie Austin, Radio com click on events proclaiming the love of christ through the airwaves 810 klvz where love lives Welcome back to the good news. So exciting when I can get a guest that I really enjoyed on one program and bring them on the other. I interviewed Regina Brett on my morning show, Daybreak USA, and I said, you have got to join me on the good news, first of all, because uh, we, we have a longer time for the interview. And it's a perfect topic for us. Regina Brett's book is God is Always Hiring. And isn't that true, my friend? 50 Lessons for Life's Little Detours. Um, that is another one of your books. And I just, um, I just found you to be so refreshing and full of joy that I wanted to have you back. So thanks for joining us, Regina. Well, it's great to be back. Okay, so In God is Always Hiring, 50 Lessons for Finding Fulfilling Work. Uh, what, what did you write this for? What do you want us to take away from this? Well, so many people have jobs that disappoint them every day. They go to work on Monday and they dread it. Uh, I think people should love what they do for a living and, and actually look forward to it and feel like, wow, I can't wait to go do that thing that I love. So I wrote the book for them and for people who maybe just haven't found the work that they love and they've got to pay the rent and maybe they can't leave the job they have, but they can find a way to make it more magical mm -hmm. even when they stay. And I remember you saying that you're like every job 
can be magical. Okay, explain that. How how can every job be magical? Let's say it's a job that most people would go, oh, I wouldn't want to do that. Like I used to have to clean the morgue in the emergency room and uh, the uh, surgery suites, labor and delivery. Uh, and when I was a high schooler putting myself through um, uh, high school and college or the trays from the operating room, how does that become magical, my friend? Well, I can relate to that because uh, I usually win the what was your worst job contest. <laughs> I worked at a funeral home and my job was to pick up bodies and bring them back to the funeral home and clean them up and dress them and, and do all the prep work. And at first it was just kind of a, oh, I really don't want to do this. But the magic in it was to see death close up and not be afraid of it, to see people in their grief and to be there and be compassionate. And I learned so much about human nature that it was a great gift in my life. And it was a job I took to pay the rent. And I think a lot of us have jobs that we don't love, but the way we make it magical is every day when we go there, we find what can I bring to this job to have magic or what's happening here that I've missed. You know, maybe it's something as simple as putting the candy jar on your desk and making everybody else feel better for the day or complimenting the person who no one compliments. You just go in there with the intention that I'm going to make this job magical today. I'm going to find some magic. Part of it is you magnify the good instead of putting your magnifying glass on everything you don't like. And, you know, it's interesting because you and I are in stereotypical ministry type, you know, jobs. You're writing, uh, God is always hiring, and that's very, uh, you know, uh, that that's a ministry. And here I am as a Christian radio host, so I get to minister to people. I'm like, you know, I, I get to put Jesus, uh, you know, through my microphone. Uh, so with that said, I think you're right. You know, I have a garbage man that always has the biggest smile. My kids love his gold tooth, and they leave things for him, and he always treats, especially whenever I come home, and my garbage cans are the only ones up by the garbage door and everyone else's are on the streets, I think of how much, you know, he likes us. And then I think about the janitor that I interviewed in uh, Texas who works for, he says, the best high school in the United States of America. And he has plaques all over his wall. And he was on the CBS Evening News because he has counseled so many young men without a father figure and helped them get off of the wrong, you know, track in life and gotten them into college. And he gets so many calls on Father's Day. And he said that he feels that God has blessed him with the ability to do this job. And he says, if he cleans the bathroom, it's going to be the cleanest bathroom that you'll ever enter because his dad said, if you're going to do a job, you've got to do it right. And so I agree with you. We can minister anywhere we're planted. And I think so many of us think that we have to be a pastor to minister or we have to be a Christian radio host or author to minister, but you can minister wherever God plants you. You can touch people's hearts and make your job magical. And I love it that you teach us that. You know, I learned that when I was uh, parking my car at a, a lot one day and at, when I went to leave, parking lot attendant greeted me, blessed me. I mean, he was treating me like I was somebody in his congregation. And I thought, who is this happy being a parking lot attendant? And I said, do you do this for everybody? And he said, this is my ministry. And I thought if he can make that a ministry, a parking lot attendant who's making maybe minimum wage at best, what about the rest of us? What's our ministry in the job we have? I love that. All right, so um, well, let's work through some of the things that you teach in uh, God is Always Hiring, 50 Lessons for Finding Fulfilling Work. A lot of people feel trapped. They have golden handcuffs, Regina. They say, that's really nice, Regina. You think every job can be mag- magical, but I have bills and I have kids and I have a wife and I have debt and I can't go get a magical job. I have to, I'm stuck on the one I have. So even with those bills and all those things that we don't like, I have learned to give thanks for the gas in my house, give thanks for the electricity. When I write up my checks, I try to put gratitude on top of every bill that I have to pay. So I change my thinking about how I live because I'm living in a home that, sure, we pay the rent or the mortgage, but I have a roof over my head. I have heat in the house. So some of it is having that attitude of gratitude, even for the things that you think are that I have to. They're really get-tos. I get to have 
warm, you know, heat flowing through my home. And the way you do it too is you look at that it doesn't have to be a struggle. If you put faith on it, okay, where's the, where's the beauty in this work? Where is the joy in it? And what's in it for God? Not just what's in it for me. What's in it for God? You know, you say in one of your chapters that sometimes, I love this, sometimes the job you want is the job you already have. And maybe, Regina, you don't even know it. That is so true. I've had jobs where, uh, you know, at six months, I'm starting to grumble like, I don't know if I like this. And then I realize I have to change me, not the job. So many of us want the geographic cure. Oh, it's not Cleveland, it's Atlanta. Then you go to Atlanta. Well, maybe it's Chicago. When we start (laughs) moving across the country, when if we would change our heart, everything else would change. I love that. You know, my uncle, who just had so much talent and he had a beautiful voice and um, he and my mom used to talk and he had an addiction issue and spent time in prison and, uh, you know, just a a lot of talent wasted. And he used to say, you know, every time I get try to get away from my problems, everywhere I go, there I am. So it doesn't matter where (laughs) he would fly to. And sadly, he died of an overdose and he was in his 50s. And I have to say that I think of him all the time when I see people not living up to their potential because they're afraid of failure. And once he sang on my morning um, uh, news program that I did, and uh, he was in town and he was working as a limo driver and he pulled up to where I was doing a live shot and I mentioned he had a great voice and he sang. And people were like, wow, your uncle has the most amazing voice. And I actually got an offer for him to do some um, voice work. And I told him how much the agent took and he said, oh, that's too much to take. And I looked back, you know, the percentage was like 40%. Sure. And I thought, well, he's getting um, 100% of nothing right now, not really going right. out there. <laughs> and I feel like he was so afraid of failing that he wasted a life and he wasted this beautiful talent that he had that, you know, now he's singing up in heaven. But so many of us, our fear of failure keeps us from ever making one step forward towards our goal. Well, you know, one thing that helped me, um, the lesson, burying your talents will not make them grow. Oh, you know, I the love story- that. The story of the person who buried their talents and thought, okay, I didn't lose anything, but the master said, but you didn't do anything with them. And I, I'm, I think God will ask us, what did you do with everything I gave you? And I don't want to just preserve it and be careful. I think we're supposed to get out there and say, wow, if you have a voice, sing. It might be in the church choir. It might be on radio, but, but use it. Well, Regina, you also say in uh, your book, it's not about what you can do, but what God can do through you. And I feel like that's such a great way to live because so many of us think about, you know, our raise, our office, it's in the corner, it has big windows, we have a big title. When I introduce people, sometimes it's like, here's, you know, Ben Smith, he's CEO of the VP of the this department of the that department, <laughs> and he's so important, here he is, you know, and it's like, oh my goodness, it's like three sentences long, the title. So if we can see that God is working through us, and we can see it's not about us, but how he, we can shine a light um, in the world to um, draw focus to you know, the Lord in heaven. What a beautiful blessing that is. But how do we go about doing that? I know attitude's part of it, but what else? You know, I think what you're saying is my lesson. Power is an inside job. Our power comes from God. It doesn't come from the job title. It doesn't come from the amount of money you make. And if you believe that you have access to the great almighty all the time, you can do anything. I mean, really, you can make big changes no matter what your paycheck or your title or your corner office or if you don't even have an office. And sometimes I tell people you have to get rid of your big butt. The yeah buts. Think of the yeah buts. Well, yeah, but I don't have a degree. Yeah, but I'm too old. Yeah, but I'm too young. You know, God can use people at their weakest, at their most broken points in their lives. Sometimes we're more useful that way to God. 
So we're talking about God is Always Hiring with Regina Brett. And Regina, earlier we were talking a little bit about um, how even in a job that people, as you put it, you know, the the worst job competition that, you know, I cleaned the morgue and, and you were with your dad when he picked up bodies. Uh, so not glamorous for young people to have jobs like that. Um, my girlfriend was going to school um, to uh, get her master's. And so she was working a second job. So she's a teacher and she had some grown children and she was working at McDonald's. And she said, her daughter said to her, mom, I'm bringing over my boyfriend. We're really serious. I think this is the guy I'm going to marry. And don't you dare tell him you're working at McDonald's. And her mom <laughs> said, I'm going to bring you each Big Macs, a large fry, and I'm going to bring you a shake. Because let me tell you something right now. Um, you are never going to be ashamed of the work that I do to right. further my education and to further our family. You do not put someone down because of their place in the world. And I think we personally need to let go of those labels in labeling ourselves maybe less than if we don't think that our job is big enough or we we haven't sold enough Regina Brett books or I haven't, I don't have enough affiliates. Like somehow we're less than. I feel like God is using you right where you are and that if he wants you to have, um, you know, a different place or more affiliates or sell more books, Regina, then he will. But we should be appreciative for the people that we're able to touch in our current position in order to make that job magical, as you say. And even I look at McDonald's, they're feeding people. Think about all the travelers on the highways and the turnpike and everywhere. You stop at a McDonald's, your kids are driving you crazy, and you get some respite. You get an hour of grace because somebody's willing to do that job. That is really hard to be on your feet and doing that. It takes yeah. a lot out of you. It really does. I did it for a week, and I thought, oh, I admire these people. And I've never looked down on them. Believe me, never. Well, you know, I think because you and I've had jobs, I've worked at McDonald's as well, um, that, you know, maybe people have looked down on that really grounds you and you don't look down on anyone else anymore because you have been there. And uh, uh, in one of your chapters, you talked, I was just wondering, what does this mean? You say in the book, it's important to know both your superpower and your kryptonite. What does that mean? You know, we all have a strength in us that is our, you know, superpower. And it might not be the physical job you do, but maybe you're great with kids. You're great with older people. You love pets. Everybody has that thing that they're really good at. Yeah. Well, what's your kryptonite? What's your weakness? And sometimes maybe it's our big ego that's in the way. Maybe it's our fear of something. So when you know what your kryptonite is, that one thing that weakens, you know, Superman, whenever he touched Krypton from, you know, kryptonite from planet Krypton, it weakened him. He lost all power. And I think we all have that little button inside of us. There's a little button maybe from your childhood Maybe your fifth grade teacher told you you weren't college material and you always believed it. So it's time to know what's your weak point so that you can address it instead of the world to keep hitting that button. So you can ask God to come and heal it so that it doesn't keep getting triggered every time somebody looks at you funny. Well, I, and I love it you say, um, and I want you to explain this further, don't die with your music in you. And I see this as maybe the gram, the rocking chair principle when you're you know, older in your rocking chair looking back on life and you have a lot of regrets. So what is dying with your music still in you? Well, I think so many of us were born with the one thing that God gave us particularly to do, your personal ministry. We all have a personal ministry. Might be singing, might be playing piano, might be you're the person in the neighborhood that's the shepherd for all the children. But you avoid doing it because you're climbing some ladder to something that is always out of reach. I think if you get really quiet, pray and meditate and really say, God, what is it you want me to do with my life? And then you go do it. Then you die saying, I did it all, God. I used every talent you gave me. To die with your music in you is to know the thing God's calling you to, but you're so afraid you keep saying wait or no. Right. And the big fear for me wasn't that I would die not doing it, is that God might just stop asking me to do it and go somewhere else and say, well, Regina, if you're too afraid to write, 
I'll just ask somebody else. Ah, yeah, I, that's a good way. But ah, and that's how, that's what motivated me really. I because I kept avoiding it. I kept doing other things, but I loved writing. I mean, I loved it, and mm-hmm. I think so many of us have that passion mm-hmm. that scares us so much because it's the thing that it brushes us up to God. It's right. so close to that moment with God that it scares us. I think that's a good way to put it. It scares you. Um, and you talk about um, in chapter 44, create a pocket of greatness right where you are. I think that's such a beautiful sentence that, that you that we do have the opportunity, if we seize it, to create a pocket of greatness right where we are, don't we? We do. You know, one of my jobs, I worked at a hospital in the kitchen, you know, in the dish room for eight hours on a Saturday and washing trays of sick people. And I hated it. You know, I had to wear a hairnet and an ugly uniform and and there was a woman there who did the same thing. She was much older than me. I was probably in my 20s, and she was probably in her 50s. I thought she was old, but now I'm in my 50s. I know how young she was. Right, right. But she would also make pies. That was the cre- that was a little pocket of greatness. She would make pies, and that was what she was known for was her pie crust. Now, she wore the same ugly uniform, the same ugly hairnet, <laughs> but she left feeling great about her pie crust, and so did every patient who got a slice yeah. of pie. She decided, I'm going to do something I love in a job that I probably don't love. Well, in the same vein, and maybe in a more individual way, like she that was that was her kind of claim to fame to make her feel so good and to touch all the people in the hospital. But you can do that on an individual basis because in Chapter 47, you talk about be, being someone's hero. So explain oh. that a little more. You know, be somebody's hero. We all have that opportunity. I ran into a man the other day who, like your uncle, he had an addiction problem, and he finally quit, but he... He quit too late to have a good relationship with his mom. She passed away and his dad passed away. So he said, the neighbor next door, I get her ginger ale. The neighbor across the street, I mow her lawn. The man next door, I get his newspaper. I do everything for them that I can no longer do for my mother, my grandma, and my father. And he just decided to make a difference in a new way because he couldn't go back and change the history behind him. Well, I love it how you boil things down to to smaller little pieces that we can handle in reaching these goals of, you know, and God is always hiring. Uh, You talk about if you don't want regrets at the end of your life, have no regrets at the end of each day. Well, that certainly simplifies it for me because I don't have to look at when I'm a grandma. Um, My kids are six, seven, and 10. I can look at not having regrets at the end of the day, taking small steps towards the end of my life. So talk more about that. Well, one thing cancer taught me, I had breast cancer at 41, and I get to do everything today because I'm still here. What a gift it is to get to grow older. And so every day when I wake up, the first thing I say is, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in this day and be glad. No matter what's on my plate today, I get to be here. So for me, every day is a get to. So at the end of the day, I look at the end and say, is there anybody I close my heart to? Okay, tomorrow I'll open it to that person. And so if you take stock at the end of the day, then at the end of your life, you've got a clean slate. Absolutely. Well, and I also um, love this. I love how I love you. So you, you have a lot of little words of wisdom, which I know you're known for, little snippets that people would maybe put on their mirror or on their refrigerator. In chapter 35, um, uh, this is one of my favorites, and it's so simple. You said the best use of your life is to love. Oh, it is. It really is. So often we think we've got to do something grand and big. Yeah. I used to think if I if I didn't go to Africa and be a missionary, then I was useless to God or something. But I was never called there. That wasn't my calling. My calling was to simply write. And so I think that you've got to really embrace where you're called to be of service and do it completely and kind of use yourself up for God. 
you know, uh, many of us want to be like that. When I think about Rush Limbaugh on the radio, and I, I'm kind of more of a solution finder or a hope finder or, uh, you know, talking to people about how to find peace rather than drawing the spotlight on all the problems in the world, which there are plenty of. Um, and so in Chapter 21, you talk about instead of trying to be the best in the world, like just because I don't have um, the influence or the reach um, like, like Rush Limbaugh does, why can't I just be the best for the world? So maybe the people I do touch, maybe I actually might have more, a more of a positive influence. He might reach more people, which doesn't make him better. What if I could just be the best where I am for the world where I'm planted? That is a really cool idea to make us really satisfied with what God is giving us. And gratitude, rather than kicking sand in God's face, like, why don't you give me this big international radio show? Aren't I as good as Rush Limbaugh? Instead of kicking sand in his face and being ungrateful, saying, wow, thank you so much for the opportunity to work hard every day and put on the best possible show I can with the best guests like you, Regina, so that we can influence the people that I am blessed and um, I'm, I'm grateful that I am able to touch. Why not look at life that way? You know, it's so important to, to talk about this because I was always in this pursuit that I always felt deep down my kryptonite was I'm not good enough and I've got to prove I'm good enough. Well, that can become an ego trip that is endless because God made me worthy. God's love makes me worthy. And so for me, you know, I was always wanting to win the Pulitzer Prize in journalism. That's like the Oscar. And then I realized the big award for me was when people would come up to me and open their wallet and take out a piece of a column I wrote, you know, 10 years ago and say, I carry this with me. Now that is making a difference for the world. It's not about Regina. It's about God's word touch somebody so much they're still carrying it with them. I love that. One of the most uh, best compliments I ever received is when I left TV news. Well, I got a couple that one woman said I was like the sprinkles on her cupcake. Another guy oh. said, you were like my pot of coffee in the morning, you know, and um, someone said I was like the uh, sparkly glitter glue. <laughs> and, and, why, and, and, you know, isn't that better than being, you know, the, the biggest watch show in the world or listen to or I think sometimes we want something out of reach when right in front of us, God's giving us all these signs about how wonderful our life is right now, right where we are. Yeah. I just so enjoy you, Regina. Uh, one of the things you mentioned as we wrap up the interview is the most important boss to answer to is the smil- still small voice within you. And whenever I would work hard and felt and I felt like I wasn't getting, um, you know, any accolades or kudos from my boss, I always thought, you know, I'm working for the Lord in heaven rather than man on earth. And I want to make sure, Regina, that people can find God is always hiring 50 lessons for finding fulfilling work. And we'd love to have you back, Regina Brett. What's your website? My website is reginabrett.com. I hope people find the book something that really touched them and helped them be of service to God in the world. Well, I think that you're giving us kind of the um, uh, the permission to um, go after what makes our hearts sing so we don't leave our music in us because no one wants to go to the grave with their music still inside them, Regina. No, we don't. Sing. Sing as loud as you can. And if you're off key, sing louder. (laughs) Well, so great to be able to interview you again. Thank you so much, Regina. 810 KLVZ. Brighton, Aurora, and Colorado Springs, where love lives. I know you have dreams. I know you have goals. I know you want to achieve them. And sometimes, let's be honest, we get tired. We give up. Carrie Connolly is here. She helps us achieve our dreams and come up with a vision for life. And she has a big event that will help us reach our goals. It's the Big Epic Summer Summit. What will we learn there, Carrie Connolly? What we're going to learn there is I'm going to do a two-hour workshop from noon to two. It's an all-day event, but I'll be the keynote speaker that day on End It the Way You Intend It, not letting 2015 go by without hitting all your big, hairy, audacious goals. 
Now, a lot of people kind of just like they they run out of steam in, in the summer. You're halfway through the year and you think it's important for us to write things down to come up with a vision. Will you teach us that as well? I will be teaching that and how to end this year with the big hairy goals you started with in January. And there's some specific tips that Carrie gives people and entrepreneurs as well uh, that help you achieve your goals. How do they get info if they'd like to attend, Carrie? They can register at theconnectingexperts.com. Connectingexperts.com. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you. This is a good place. I really like it. This is Eric. He's an ambassador with ARC Thrift Stores. Yeah, I started at the Brick Break and sorting the different Brick Break stuff. Also, then I went to the showcase and then I got hired to be a cashier. He knows that with hard work and dedication that he will advance in the workplace because he also knows. They trust you to do a good job. And he loves where he works. I'm the opening cashier, so I'm there from 8 a.m. to 4.30 and I have to make sure the registers are ready to go. The right tags are on the computer so we could get the right discounts on there and make sure there's enough bags. Support ambassadors like Eric and the differently abled people in your community by shopping at ARC Thrift Stores. It's a very good place. It's Everybody's real positive and it feels good to be around that. ARC needs your donations of gently used clothing and household items. To find the most convenient donation station, donation box, or ARC Thrift Store location, go to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Yeah, overall I'm very happy and thankful like I said about ARC. Hey, it's Angie Austin with the good news. I would love for you to come to our women's conference on October 3rd. Michelle, Ron, what are we going to talk about? Oh, we're going to talk about fabulous things to make you better every single day. And I'm going to talk about attitude and choices. Make the choice to come. You'll be glad. And I'm going to talk about becoming a victor rather than a victim. And with some stories from my childhood and what I overcame that I hope will help and touch you. Robbie Yopes, you went last year. You'll be the MC this year. What was it like last year? Life-changing. It was amazing. Please come. Don't miss out on this. Invest in yourself. And Tyra, you're my favorite singer in the United States of America, and you're going to be singing for us. How is it to be involved this year? It is exciting. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. He's going to do something pretty darn awesome. Amen. It was my dream to have like a Women of Faith Denver-type event, and that's what we had last year, and we're having it again this year. It's on October 3rd. If you're feeling low, if you're feeling blue, if you need to pick me up, if you need a hug from Jesus, please come. Go to AngieAustinRadio.com. Click on Upcoming Events. The love of Christ lives on 810 KLVZ. Welcome back to the good news. You know, when does your like nutrition plan fall apart? And I'm not talking diet. I'm not into losing weight anymore. I'm into being healthy. And so if we want to live longer and we want to have more energy, um, when does it all fall apart for you? I know for my husband, from the evidence left in his car, oftentimes it's lunchtime when he has no supervision. And I find, I'm like, who went to McDonald's? And I know he's the only one in the car, right? So Dr. Joe is joining us because he's going to have an event that's all about healthy lunches. And Dr. Joe, I think so many people are busy, and if they don't plan ahead, which they say they don't have time for, then the lunch is oftentimes when things kind of fall apart nutrition-wise. You know, yeah, it all depends on if you don't take time for health, then you're going to take time for sickness, whether it's missed days at work, Good missed days point. at school. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I read a scripture the other day. It talked about, you know, which is just wisdom. It says, he who builds his house on the rock, you know, when the rain comes, when the, when the storms come, when the wind blows, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. But he who builds his house on the sand, the same rain, the same storms, the same wind comes, but then everything just falls apart. And so make, play, taking time for food, especially lunch, because how many people today just forget breakfast? They just wake up. They chug whatever coffee or whatever, they, and then all of a sudden now. So sometimes lunch 
is their first meal of the day. And so we want to make that a good lunch, whether that's an adult packing their own lunch or whether it's for a child for school, you know, teaching kids to pack their own lunch, having the moms and dads make that. You know, we teach, we've been teaching our kids to take responsibility and pack their lunch for a long time. And, and really, they have fun with it. So that's so important as far as getting your health going and getting ready to have a good school year. You know what? I love the idea of giving the kids, like, several choices and putting out, you know, the cheese sticks and putting out, I know you like meat roll-ups and putting out some pickles and letting the kids, like, choose five items. And then I like to make sure, like, you know, choose a fruit, you know, choose a veggie, choose a protein, you know, maybe a good oil like a nut or whatever. But I like the idea of rather than just stuffing it in there and assuming that that's their choice, when they have some power over it, maybe when they go to the grocery store, let them pick out some of their favorite fruits that just specifically for their lunch. Absolutely. That's, you know, one of the keys to making a good shopping list. Because how many times do do moms especially go to a seminar, they learn about all these healthy foods, they go to the store and buy it, and then they bring it home and no one eats it. And that just that just defeats them. The moms feel like they, they, they you know, the family doesn't care. And like you said, you go to the car and see all kinds of leftover wrappers from where they really ate, and yet you just spend all this money on food that no one's going to eat. So when we make up shopping lists, we want to ask the moms and the dads and the kids, what do you like you know, for breakfast? What do you like for lunch? What are your favorite snacks? And then when you go shopping, you just try to find the best version of that, the healthiest version of that, so the kids don't feel like they're getting left out. They just they say, okay, I'm cool. And actually, you know, they, they're, they're the cool kids with the cool ones. Because my kids, you know, I have ages 26 to 14. They know what it's like to be the weird kid who goes in there with granola and oh, different I'll snacks. Oh, they so, do. Yeah. So over the years, we've learned as parents, if we want our kids to eat, actually eat that food, to somehow make it into their tummy, we better make it cool, we better make it fun, and let them be, be involved with it. So absolutely, find out what your kids' favorite foods are, fill the kitchen up with that, and you'll never have a hard time getting your kids to eat. You know, or your spouse. And this is good for dads to learn about lunches as well. I'll never forget my dad when I was about 12 made me an onion sandwich. I let him know that it did not make me popular <laughs> with, you know, my, my friend uh, friend group. All right. So with that said, um, you're going to teach us how to make these. Everybody will end up with, you know, trying different recipes and different things. And then uh, and it's free, of course, because this is kind of some of your give back that you do because you have yeah. such a passion for teaching people about health. So tell us where to go and yeah. where to get info. So- Coming up this Monday night uh, in a few weeks, uh, August the 10th, actually, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's coming up pretty quick, so basically two weeks, um, we're going to have a recipe night, and the whole focus is how to make a healthy lunch. And the cool thing is that, you know, you can make, you can turn this lunch into a dinner or a snack or late night snack or even breakfast, but we're going to give you the keys to, to making that happen. And so, you know, like what kind of, if you're going to eat bread, if you're trying to go gluten-free, what kind of bread? could be your friend you know so we talk about protein sprouted bread and things like that and we'll have that there what about meat what kind of lunch meats should you buy because if you're trying to get healthy by trying to make a healthy lunch you can sabotage that whole process so yeah. your bread can either make you or break it the lunch meat can either make you or break it the cheese can make you or break it the condiments the sugar you know that's in a lot of these different oh, types of semantics and stuff like that a lot of pressure so yeah so i'm not saying you have to give up bread because with kids, there's a lot of grace bodies and yeah, things like absolutely. that. So, so we don't, you know, but okay, can you? is there a better bread out there? All right, What's Dr. Joe, we bread? need your website, my friend. How do we contact you? You know, they can go to spinegeek.com, spinegeek.com, or they can contact me at my cell phone, 303-349-6011. That's 303-349-6011. It's going to be fun. Thanks, Dr. Joe. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.